an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Fantasy Pros' Senior Bowl Recap Show. I'm your host, Thor Nystrom, joined by my colleagues, Derek Brown and Eric Froton. Today, we're going to go through all of our risers for the week, all of our fallers from the week unfortunately we had a few some news and notes catching up on guys who got injured guys who pulled out of the event and just overall takeaways from the week we're going to go position by position let's kick this right off because we have a lot to get through over the next 45 minutes to an hour we're going to start with quarterbacks of course we'll we'll start with my colleague Derek Brown Debro quarterback position who stood out to you this week was there any winners what were your overall thoughts on the quarterbacks I would love to tell you right now, Thor, that there were winners from this week, but honestly, nobody for me. I don't think there was a clear winner out of this entire group that was here. I think we want to take this winner conversation. Let's go off campus here. Let's go out of Mobile, and let's talk about J.J. McCarthy for a second. He is now in the clear tier two of quarterbacks, assuming like the top top three guys of this class. J.J. McCarthy, after this week, and Bo Nix and Michael Penix, not living up to the hype. He is the clear tier two QB four in this class as of right now. So for me, no winners here in Mobile, but JJ McCarthy walks out of the week. A winner is all right. What about you, Froton? Did you think that there was a winner on the field or do you think people off the field were, were helped more than the guys who were actually here at this event? Well, I do feel good about J.J. McCarthy being the QB four after that, the big top three. I had a Bo Nix and Michael Penix, but if I had to go with another quarterback who I thought was a winner, I have to go with Michael Pratt from Tulane. You know, he was sort of battling Spencer Rattler coming in here to be that nominal QB7 of this class. I think he did enough to establish himself in that spot. Um, with Penix, what you have to remember with him, excellent under pressure, third highest NFL passer rating under pressure in the entire country. And we saw him do what few quarterbacks really tried to do this week, which was kind of try to stretch the field a little more and not just rely on the checkdowns. We saw a lot of running backs getting work in the passing game in these team sets. Because of that, I admire that Pratt did try to stretch the field, was able to hit his teammate Jaquan Jackson, especially in day two, with a couple of nice uh, deep passes. 
And I feel like he had a, a good, solid showing today, but definitely nobody was outstanding, in my opinion. I totally agree with that. My my quarterback winner for this week that was on the field is Michael Penix, just because he held serve. I, I don't think he, he rose in a traditional sense of showing us stuff that, that we hadn't seen before or dispelling doubts that were in his evaluation, red flags that we came in with, but he held serve. And Bo Nix, the guy that he was in that battle royale with for whether you want to say quarterback four positioning or whether you want to say quarterback five jockeying behind J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix did not have a good week, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Whereas, like I said, Michael Penix held serve. You saw the really good arm. He had the best arm talent that was on display this week. That that was the big thing that you saw. You saw some downfield throwing from him, certainly far less checkdowns than you saw from Bo Nix. Penix did struggle when under pressure. That was the question we have about him, about his game. He has the lack of mobility, uh, four straight season-ending in injuries at Indiana. A couple of them were knee injuries. Doesn't move around very well. He and, and that's going to be that's going to continue on into the pros. He needs to develop that better second option. That that you know, flash bang, you get the the interior pressure going to the uh, throwing to a second read, different stuff like that. Just having that sort of fallback option. We didn't see as much of that. He was dead to rights on those reps where we did see the quick pressure. But again, he displayed that arm talent in a way that I thought that, that some of these other guys didn't, particularly Bonix, that guy he was going heads up against, <laughs> which is a great segue, D-Bro, a professional one to get to your loser in the quarterback uh, group that we had out here. I think a loser for a lot of people this week Talk to us about what you saw from Bo Nix. Not a lot, man. Uh, and that's sad to say for a guy that in various circles has garnered some maybe first round buzz and mock drafts and early mocks. And for a guy that I, I you cannot even cl be close to putting Bo Nix in the first round conversation after this week. There is no way he face planted. And I, I'm not staying, saying all this stuff to be hyperbolic, but if you were a Bo Nix truther, there is no possible way you could walk out of this week with the same type of gusto to your Bo Nix belief that you had walking into this week. None of the questions in a real NFL offense or at least system where he has not just quick passes at his disposal, first reads, or heck, throws above 10 yards, at all of those things. He's, he was terrible this week, man. He consistently sailed throws. He was inaccurate. He was late on his trigger. It was nothing but check downs. And I'm sorry, when in seven on seven and you're either checking the ball down or you're scrambling because that doesn't freaking matter in seven on seven, that is a problem. Bo Nix for me entered this conversation, or at least this week, with my, I had big doubts about him. And honestly, I evaluate him as a second or third round prospect. There's no way possible you could put him in the first round conversation after this week. I totally agree with that. If D bro right now, if I was to set an over under for Bonex, I'll just toss out a slot. I don't know what teams in this slot, but if I was to say 45 and a half, would you go? Do you think he'll get picked before the 44, the 45th pick after this week? Or do you think he's going after that? Over. Give me the over. I would. I honestly think the way that I look at Bonex and I'll be curious if NFL teams follow suit because of the type of week he had here. He's a third-round pick. I think he's a third-round pick in the NFL draft. I, I I totally agree with that. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Obviously, he had the first-round hype from some people coming into this week. was not a good week for, for Bo Nix. Froton, uh, moving on to the next guy, someone that, that we, you know, 
in terms of physical gifts, someone that potentially could have moved up. This certainly was an all-star exhibition that behooved a guy like this, being able to display some of those physical gifts. In terms of Tennessee, when it comes to Joe Milton, we, we just – we saw him at Michigan for five – he's been there for five years. This is six year where he finally gets the opportunity to start. At Michigan, he gets beaten out by Caden McNamara. Then obviously J.J. McCarthy, who now he's sharing – you know, a, a, a quarterback uh, class with when it comes to Milton, he got a ton of buzz in the preseason because people in the NFL scouting circles are watching his arm. You know, he can throw at 75, 80 yards. You know, he has that Jamarcus Russell-esque appeal to him. Um, but when you're seeing him out there today in, uh, you know, in live, in pads over the past three days, he's throwing, it, it's, very scattershot, and I don't understand really the decision-making of when he chooses to use that arm as opposed to when he cho- chooses to go soft. He's running some fade patterns in sixes today, which are really dropping it in the bucket. You want to get a little bit of loft, and he's screaming the ball in there uh, to the point where it would pretty much hit the defender in the back if he weren't thrown against total air. The very next play after throwing something like that, he goes and airmails it over a you know a nice route in the back of the end zone. You know, you get on from there into the team drills, full team drills as opposed to just playing essentially glorified flag football. And uh, he's waiting too long. Immediately, first play, Amani Bailey goes has a release. You see the edge rusher come as opposed to go out with Bailey. He's open for three seconds. And it takes Milton that entire time to actually go and and he's looking right at him. He doesn't go and actually make the immediate quick. It's right there throw. He waits too long, waits until he's pretty much at the pylon and the throw ends up getting broken up. And it's that sort of processing errors that you see from Milton that um, even though he has that sort of Bazooka Joe arm, you know, Bazooka Joe, kind of his nickname when it comes to that cannon on his shoulder, his processing um, the, when he chooses to use it and when he chooses to back off, you know, you can have a change up there when the guy's five yards away from you. You don't have to throw it that hard all the time. So um, that's just that sort of inconsistency for Milton that has plagued him throughout his collegiate career. Right. It, it followed him here to the senior role. Yeah, my, my loser was Sam Hartman, a guy who didn't have the physical tools of some of these other guys that we were talking about, and therefore he needed to show really good accuracy here. He wasn't going to be able to dispel his issues under pressure, which is a big issue when you're small, you don't have a, you have a middling arm. You don't have any athleticism either. And he had that other strike of being really bad under pressure, both at Wake Forest and then at Notre Dame, what we needed to see this week, really good decision-making really good accuracy. We didn't see that. Uh, You want to talk about a check down artist who then was scrambling all over the place that the second he didn't see something that he liked, that was Sam Hartman. He's not going to be scrambling in the NFL. Uh, it was a wasted week for Sam Hartman. He didn't, he didn't show us anything. Uh, you know, th- there wasn't a lot of arm talent to show, but would have liked to see just a little bit more gumption from Sam Hartman. Uh, as I tweeted today, I, I think the broadcasting career for Sam Hartman is going to be starting a little <laughs> bit sooner rather than later. Uh, guys, bef- before we move on to the running back position, I want to tell you guys a little bit about DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. As of Thursday afternoon, DraftKings had the 49ers as two-point favorites with an over-under set of 47.5 points. Their money line had the 49ers at minus 125 and the Chiefs at plus 105. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code FANTASYPROS. That's one word. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus Bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Moving over to running back now, there was a guy that we all liked. You two in particular love this guy coming into the <laughs> event. Put him at the top of your rankings, yeah. and he absolutely mm. showed out all week long. Debro, your winner at the running back position is? Oh, baby. It's got to be Marshawn Lloyd. And I, I want to – so Matthew Flowers in the chat said someone's going to fall in love with Joe Milton's arm. I don't disagree with that. But if we're talking about loveless guys and NFL teams falling in love with a player, <laughs> baby, they're going to love Marshawn Lloyd. He crushed the interviews. He was a fantastic guy to talk to. Super charismatic, very eloquent in his interviews. And on the, the on-the-field stuff matched. He was explosive. And the thing that I really want to highlight here, guys – is his pass game utility. He was fast in his routes, got separation. And if I, you could be a blind person and you could still see this man showed out in the receiving drills all week. Marshawn Lloyd cemented himself as a top four round pick in the NFL draft. I personally think, and maybe this is a hot take, I don't care. He's going to go in the third round of the NFL draft, assuming that he tests well. And everything we saw on the field here in Mobile, I have no reason, even despite him holding back the 40 time, because I asked him, I asked him, I said, what's your 40 time going to look like? He's like, baby, you got to wait. You got to wait. And I cannot wait to see it, man. So if, if I was going to give the over under of the hundredth slot, hundred and a half for Marshawn, you're going under for yes. a drop slot in April? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Definitely, definitely a stock up guy, uh, Marshawn Lloyd. And I agree with you, D bro. He showed a lot in those those uh out, out on the roads in, in the past, the passing drills, whatnot. Something we wanted to see from him coming in. Uh both the USCC played at South Carolina and then uh South California Southern California didn't show that aspect of his game quite as much, but man, did he look smooth out there. Froton, your winner this week at the running back position. Yeah, mine is Kentucky slash Vanderbilt slash Temple <laughs> running back Raymond Davis, a.k.a. Ray Davis, uh, much like I would say Marshawn Lloyd, as DJ Debro kind of mentioned, we wanted to see Raymond Davis do a little more in the passing game uh, for his four, first four years in college when he was with Vanderbilt and Temple, like he didn't get the opportunity to do much in the passing game at all because neither of those offenses could stretch the field at all whatsoever. He's facing stacked boxes. Anytime he was really catching a pass, it's just a straight dump off. You can't even really game plan for it because there's nothing, there's no pass rush that has to keep it honest. They're getting enough with four. They're not bringing en enough uh, in terms of committing to the rush for them to catch them in a blitz. So 
it, it just the opportunities weren't there. Did a lot more of that this year at Kentucky. Uh, 32 of 39 for 324 yards, 1.3 yards per route, which is really solid. Mm-hmm. He continued that. I would say he even extended upon that uh, over the past three days. I only saw literally one pass route, be it ones, be it sixes, or full team drills, where Ray Davis went out for a pass, uh, had the opportunity to catch it, and was had it broken up. And it wasn't that he dropped it. It's just he was covered and somebody made a really nice play on the ball. Even every other chance for three straight days, even when he's had somebody on him, a, a lot of times he makes just nice, clean decisions, you know, breaks a, you know the defender down and goes left or right and catches it cleanly. Every single time he, he converted it. I mean, you go in and, and you throw that together, put in his work between the tackles, showed burst. At 5'8", 220, he's got that low center of gravity to the ground. Uh, elusiveness that, you know, he had 51 tackles and 197 carries this year in college. You saw that day two, day three, after the offensive line kind of came together cohesively. I felt like we saw a, a solid all-around performance out of Ray Davis, who's a, a fifth-year guy, really needed it in order to kind of create some buzz coming out of camp. I think he did it. You're looking at a fourth, fifth round value, I think, with Ray Davis. Fro- Froton, you buried the lead there, too. The one-hander by Ray Davis? One-hander? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Everything. Everything you asked for in that sense, uh, within reason. Is he the athlete Marshawn Lloyd is? I, I think that's uh, unfair to put those two in the same class. Mm-hmm. Marshawn Lloyd looks extremely explosive. But for just an all-purpose back who's solid, can grind, can catch, can, can pass pro, Everything you want in in a solid backup running back, I, I see Davis. For me, the winner in this running back group is Cody Schrader from Missouri, uh, a guy who he grows on you the more you watch his film, and and I think he was a winner in sort of an unstated way this week at the Senior Bowl. There wasn't as many of those flash plays like the the one handed catch from Davis or some of these other flashy plays we saw for, from other running backs. It's just rep in, rep out consistency. You know, again, the same thing that you sort of saw in his tape. Broke out last year from Missouri, zone-heavy system. He was the bell cow who got all the usage there after he had moved up from D2. thing he liked on his tape, the footwork especially, follows the concept, has very good vision as well, seems to make the right decisions consistently. And then he has the one cut thing. He's not a joystick uh, type of uh, agility kind of athlete. But the one cut thing and then could keep trucking, changes path, different stuff like that. You were wondering, is there athletic limitations there? Number one. And number two, can he do anything in the passing game? He wasn't featured they, that way at Missouri, which makes sense because they have a guy named Luther Burden, who we're going to be talking about next year as a first round pick. Uh, amongst other guys, Missouri had had very good receiving options. So they just didn't use Cody Schrader as much for that. Again, it was a lot of the, the rushing usage here. I thought he looked. Uh, better on the field as an athlete than we thought coming in. I think he might test a little bit better than people think. You saw all the stuff that that we liked about his film. You saw the footwork. You saw the decision-making. No wasted movement. You know, it's it's like small stuff like that, the toughness, different stuff like that, the vision. Um, But it adds up with with a guy like that. But again, show, show better athleticism. And then in particular for me, something I didn't see on his film, was was that smoothness along the route path 
uh, c- converting from a receiver and in one one motion turning a field fluidly with with the ball turning into a runner, different stuff like that. Just didn't get as, as many chances for that on his collegiate tape. We saw that this week. I, I think he can be a little bit better of a receiver in the NFL than maybe some people thought coming here. Again, didn't get the shot of Missouri, uh, but looks like he has the chops for that. And a smooth-looking athlete. Uh, you know that that kid's going to work his butt off, too. Certainly did to get here. He talked a lot about uh, that at the media luncheon yesterday on Wednesday. Um, and a guy who's going to keep grinding, but maybe has a bit more natural ability than we thought coming into this event. Moving over to the losers of the running back room. Debro, who who's a guy here that, that you think is stocked down heading out of this week? I hate to say it, man, but Amani Bailey, uh, a back that's on the smaller side. And what worried me about Bailey was the, it, entering the process, whether it was you looked at his film, his analytical profile from a tackle-breaking perspective, nothing really jumped off the page about him. And I feel like throughout the week, and it's not to say that he didn't make plays in certain instances, but I think if you're looking at the totality of his week and his game, he didn't do anything to where he was walking away from this entire week with saying he crushed it. He just absolutely looked explosive. He looked shot out of a cannon. He looked great on every single rep. It's just not the case. And I think he's a more physically limited back now, not so much the size perspective because he's big enough, but at his size to really carve out a role in the NFL and to really make it at the NFL outside of being a depth chart guy, RB three, RB four on a depth chart. He needs a superpower. He needs a trump card at that size, whether that's vision, explosiveness, raw straight line speed, He doesn't have any of those kind of characteristics or traits, and he didn't show anything whether even if it was pass game utility or he crushed in pass pro, maybe he's a receiving back. Nothing jumped off the page, both his analytical profile and his film entering the process and his entire week of practice. All of those things were just good, but not great. So for a player that really needed to smash this week to help himself as far as NFL draft stock, it sadly didn't happen. I I think that was well said. Yeah, I mean, he he just had to stand out at something, whether it was movement at the size that he's at, because obviously that thing's not going to change, whether that was the receiving utility, like you said. You're trying to find a path for all these guys to contribute in the NFL, to give value back. And with Bailey, there's only a couple paths with him, right, because of the size and because of the profile of him. And those were the things we were looking for. I totally agree with you. We did not see them. Froton, moving over to you, uh, you have a loser here who's – it's not necessarily his fault, although although it does have to be mentioned. Rashin Ali from Marshall. We found out today Tom Pelissero reported from NFL Network, torn tri- uh, bicep uh, muscle – out four to six months is is the recovery timeline. He's going to miss his pro day. He's going to miss the combine. Should be back, though, for the start of training camp. Definitely should be back for the start of, of his rookie season in 2024. But that is a tough blow for Ra- Rashin Ali. Froton, do you, do, you, do you think he's a loser just because he's going to be missing the next four to six months and certainly the rest of his, his pre-draft process? Or did you beforehand, before he got hurt, um, was there anything that you wanted to see from him that you didn't as well? Yeah, well, I mean, that it's it's a very good point and a good question because I, I do feel like he was 
one of the running backs that needed this the most. And I'll tell you why. Agreed. Rasheen Ali, in large part, is here, not because of what he did in 2023, but because of what he did in 2021. All right. Ali, it was his breakout year. Okay. He had 23 touchdowns, 250 carries for Marshall. In 2022, breakout, absolutely all conference, everything really put him on the map. In 2022, he got injured. All right. And we saw Florida State transfer. Uh, Kalen. Well, it was it was a mental health break. A man, was, excuse me, excuse me, a mental yeah. health break. He did not play hardly at all in 2022. We saw Kalen Laborn mm-hmm. to run Florida State transfer come in. And Laborn, by the way, and and this That's is good. data point against Ali. Yeah, they just tossed in Laborn, who couldn't yeah. get on the field very much at Florida State, and all of a sudden he was putting up the numbers that were quasi like Rasheen Ali had beforehand, right? Exactly. And that's the point is you had LeBorn go and, and essentially pick up where Ali left off in 2021. So then obviously LeBorn out of uh, eligibility. Here we are in 2023 force forward. It's Rasheen Ali's time to reestablish his value to what we saw in 2021. Unfortunately, if you compare what he did, it's not even close. 2021, he averaged 3.53 yards after contact this year. 2.55 yak. That is as bad as you're going to see for anybody who is an NFL caliber running back. At, at Thor, I mean, if you back me up on that, that's yep. legit. That's as bad yes. as it gets. Um, PFF elusiveness rating. We'll just go by that just because the metric, 87 and 21, 36.6 in 23. Again, rock bottom type of elusiveness numbers here from this year and he also didn't do particularly well catching the ball he had four drops in 21 three drops this year on less opportunities seven drops i'm sorry on 70 catchable pass opportunity that's a 10 percent drop rate for a running back who most of their targets are coming within five yards of the line of scrimmage very screaming red light indicators on rasheen ali and I'm guessing teams saw wanted to see, does he have it in person for what we saw in 21, for what we saw in 2023. It doesn't mean it's his fault that he was injured. It's nobody's fault. But the reality of the situation is he needed to perform at, at, at the Senior Bowl. He needed to show that he had the burst that he once did, and he wasn't able to do that. Big, big missed opportunity for Rasheen Ellis. Froton has Ali between, you know, the 2021, the, I, and I totally agree with you in 2023. It was like, you know, you, you saw elevated things from his game in 2021 where you, you thought you could project it to be more of a difference maker in the, in the NFL. 2023 comes back. He was more station to station, kind of vanilla guy. And then, as you know, Cam Fancher can't throw the ball at Marshall. So they would load the yeah. box on Ali. He wasn't making – you mentioned the elusive rating. He wasn't making people miss. He wasn't breaking tackles. A lot of times it was just three yards and, and a cloud of dust. He he came here wanting to prove things. The first day was, was solid, but then, you know, he gets hurt. My question for you is, do you believe that, that Rashin Ali – because his pre-draft process is now over. The, the book is in on it. Teams will make decisions based on what they have already seen from Rashin Ali. Has he done enough – to get drafted, and if your answer to that question is yes, where do you think Rashin Ali is going in April? Okay, I'm going to go – he's got a very 
like perhaps under the radar to us, but I got to think that it's something that NFL circles are looking at. Look at the last two runners before Ali to lead the nation in rushing from a G5 school. We're going to go back to 2021. Central Michigan, Lou Nichols. Do any of you out there know who Lou Nichols is? I sure do. (laughs) Action, baby. Well, Jeff you Trump. know, yeah. yeah, but another station to station guy, even worse than that kid. Hey, Absolutely, he this guy, I don't. Okay, good. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's. I think he's on the the rotting on the Green Bay practice squad for he was for a bit, <laughs> but like just totally nondescript. Uh, led the nation in rushing, came back the next year. You know, didn't didn't go out and underperformed. Mm-hmm. Look at last year. All right, uh, McBride. Dwayne McBride, he led the nation in rushing 22, all right? He comes out this year. He's a fifth year, you know, excuse me, a fifth round pick, but he's cut by Thor, the Vikings. (laughs) You know, these are the last two G5 running backs to come out that led the nation in rushing just like, I mean, there were huge impact players just like Rasheen Ali was. And his 23 touchdowns, which was right there, I think led the nation. So, when you're talking about the performance of these G5 rushers, it is not translated recently. And when you have that trend plus the obvious yak trends and you know elusiveness ratings and just performance metrics that are advanced that are against you, you can't do it. Horrible. He he ha- will not be drafted. I can't see it happening. Well, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree. I was going to sit here and, and ring the same type of sentiment. I think he's a UDFA guy at this point. A lot going against him here. Yep. I'm going to say seventh round, just to disagree with you guys. But it, it's it, he is definitely on that. that so yeah. surprising. So that's so, that sort of cut line there, and and disappointing with, with him and the injury. For me, the loser was someone who wasn't at this event, uh, had planned to be at this event, but an injury kept him out. Jalen Wright from Tennessee, and the reason why was I felt like a lot of the running backs here more or less held serve. You know, there wasn't that that guy who just. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd was really good. Maybe you'd say him as as the most, but just blew the top off the thing, right? I, I felt like there would have been an opportunity for a kid like Jalen Wright, who's an absolutely stupid athlete, who was on the Bruce Feldman freak list a couple years ago, ends up breaking out uh, this past year. Froton, as you remember, he th- there was two guys above him on the Tennessee depth chart, and Jalen Wright was like, uh-uh, bye-bye. Uh, J- yep. Jabari and uh, and Samson with the, the, yeah. the other kid. Uh, he did, they took a, a backseat to this kid. Breaks out 2023, enters the, the draft early, uh, but because of an injury that he suffered late in the regular season, he was not able to attend this event. His rehab, he's nearing the end of it right now. Uh, I'm told that he will be fully healthy for the NFL Combine. And as I was told, he intends to put on a show um, which you, you, when you look at his metrics and what Bruce Feldman had previously reported, a vertical over 40 inches, there's some crazy reports about his 40 out there. Certainly the burst is going to be there. But if we, if he had gotten a shot, if he was healthy enough to be on the field here this week, I think he would have been an enormous riser because I think his athletic profile just clearly different from the other running backs here. That opportunity was deprived from him. Uh, so I, I would just toss him on, on that list. Guys, before we move over to the, the receiver position, I wanted to tell you guys about Discount Tire. If you need new tires for your car, Discount Tires is your go-to. They have exceptional service, and you can get a 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. 
they have this really cool feature called uh, Treadwell, which is an online tire buying guide that gives you transparency on tire performance, as well as personalized recommendations based on your location and driving habits. Discount Tire is also the largest independent tire, tire retailer in the entire country, so it has the biggest selection of tires and wheels. And here's a pro tip from the experts at Discount Tire. You can prevent wear and boost gas mileage by keeping your tires properly inflated. Tire pressure supports the weight of your vehicle and is important to check for safety. So if it has been over a month since you last checked your tire pressure, stop by one of their local stores for a free tire safety and air pressure check. Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. Debro, let's get to wide receivers and you get us taken care of with your winner from the group this week, which is... It's got to be Roman Wilson, baby. I mean, I'm just hitting the chalk here, taking the top guys off the list. And Roman Wilson, all you need to know, even if we don't get into easy separation, crushed in one-on-ones, crushed in team drills, one short, intermediate, and deep this week, in the rare spots we saw a deep ball, but all you need to know is Roman Wilson did enough. He's not even here right now, man. He didn't even finish day three. He did enough in the process where he said, you know what? Got that. Got that. Got that draft capital. Peace, Mobile. I'm out. And he crushed it, man. So my clear big winner. Yeah, a, a different case than a guy like like Ollie who, who got the opportunity taken away from him. But with Roman Wilson, we saw everything that, that we needed to see this week. D-Bro, would you say with Roman Wilson, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Let's let's say over under with Roman Wilson, the end of the second round. No. W- would you go? Would you go over or under? You think it's second round, third round, fourth? Or the, w- where do you think Roman Wilson goes? I think, a- after this week. I think entering this process, I looked at him as a tweener, like a round three, round four guy. I don't think that he gets the hype to get into the second round unless like, and this is another spot where you and I differ a little bit. I think that he's probably a four four guy. You think he's a 4-3 guy. Yep. If he runs a 4-3, maybe. If a team falls in love with him, could he be this year's Jaden Reed as he goes in the second round and everybody's like, where did this come from? I don't look at him that way. I, I had him as a round three, four kind of tweener guy. I think that he cemented himself in the round three conversation. But to answer your question, I do not believe that he's a round two guy. Would it shock me if an NFL team fell in love with him and he's the new Jaden Reed of 2024? No, it wouldn't shock me. Everybody who's in the chat right now watching this live, I've been trying to propose betting terms for D-Bro of whether Roman Wilson goes <laughs> in the four threes or in the four fours in Indianapolis. If you guys out there watching live have any ideas for a bet D-Bro and I could have Ooh. of whether Roman's in the four threes or the four fours, Type it into the chat, and, and maybe we'll we'll be able to have a bet that, that I could propose to D-Bro. I'll take, all, I'll take all, all opportunities and all thoughts here with we within reason, okay? <laughs> I'm not shaving the beard. That's not happening. Neither of us are shaving the beard. Yeah, neither of us are shaving the beard. But, but okay? something within reason that, that, that we can bet on. Froton, your winner uh, from the receiving room this week in Mobile. Yeah, I think everybody wins if the, if the bet from Roman Wilson is one of you shaves your beard. I think that's... <laughs> Not that is, happen. I think, universal. Beer so hater. Count me Beer in hater. on that one. No. I, I will peer pressure you to the ends of the earth to make that happen. So, Beer I'm in. Hater. That being said, uh, my, my winner for the week is South Carolina wide receiver Xavier Leggett. Now, everybody loves a comeback story. This is America, all right? 
with Leggett the first day, and uh, I'd kind of opined a little bit about this on our uh, live stream on uh, Instagram. You should all make sure fancy pros Instagram. But uh, I talked about this a little bit. He spent the first day trying to hit home runs. Every one of his optional one-on-one routes where he's going up, you have the whole field to explore the space more cowbell style. You know what I'm saying? Just get out there, really explore it. He sort of pigeonholed himself to the sideline, almost like stuck himself to it, and was just running flies every chance he sort of had the opportunity to do so. We had gotten the sixes. He had a drop or two. You know, looked a little uncomfortable. Towards the end of the first day, we saw him in team drills and made a couple of nice catches, one on a hitch, one on just a, a superb, well-thrown out ball by Michael Pratt. Now, he seemed to build on that, you know, there, and there was a little bit of trepidation about how he performed because we didn't see a lot of nuance in his routes. He seemed to come out on day two and really take some of that criticism to heart because you saw that full rope. You saw him sort of, uh, you know, emerge out of that cocoon where he sort of opened up his mind and said, all right, I'm going to I'm going to show you everything I can do. And when he did that, when he opened himself up and didn't just sort of pigeonhole himself into trying to be, uh, you know, make the flashy plays, you saw the defensive manipulation that he, you know, has at 6'1", 223 that a lot of guys don't have. You saw the turning radius, the ability to corner, you know, out of his breaks that were sharp. You know, you, uh, you certainly see guys like Devontae Walker, um, his breaks were pretty round, allowed backs d-backs to undercut them and be able to deflect a couple of those passes you didn't get that out of Leggett on day two we saw the explosive we saw the burst out of his cuts which is something that's so important for a 220 pounder and then when it came to uh just you know his, his one-on-ones devastating just devastating everything he did on day two did not have uh did not suit up for day three as Debro has mentioned he had a wrap on his lower left leg maybe a calf type thing where he shut it down but he did enough on day two to show what everybody wanted to see out of Leggett and that is the explosiveness for a guy that is just unnaturally big yeah like the get had a it was it was a crazy week right like because on Tuesday like you and I, you set that up very well for Oton giving the context of why Tuesday was so bad because he was he was sitting back in, in the batter's box, just sitting dead red. He was trying to do a home run derby. And then on Wednesday, I don't know if someone got in his ear or if he just had to sort of come to Jesus with himself of, of like, let, let's show what we can do. We, we don't just need to be sitting dead red for the highlight reel, catch, whatever. And you started to see these more aspects of his game, which allowed him to get open, which allowed him to get the ball, which allowed him to show his ball skills as well. So, so you had the, the opposite sort of a day on Wednesday. Thursday, uh, one slight correction on that. He did come out on Thursday. He mm-hmm. left the field, though, pretty early into yep. the session, went back into the locker room. Uh, like Debro mentioned, he had that wrap on the calf from Tuesday, Wednesday, then Thursday. I, we don't know yet. I, I don't know if that news has come out of specifically what happened to Leggett, but we did see him leave the field. He was being looked at by trainers, left the field, goes back in the locker room. When he came up, back out you know, 30, 40 minutes later, he had his jersey on, no pads, with the shorts, was just a bystander. I would assume that we have seen the last of Xavier Leggett on the field, at least in pads this week. Certainly, that was the end of his practice day. I would not expect to see him in the game on Saturday. Um, but he showed enough on that Wednesday practice 
to totally turn around the narrative. So I, I totally agree with you uh, on that, Proton. My winner for the receiver group was the other dude who was taking over Twitter uh, these past couple of days, Lad McConkey. Coming into this event, I had Lad McConkey number two in my wide receiver rankings that, that were in Mobile. He leaves as number one. He's just so difficult to stay with that guy. Uh, you know, like when, when he started at, at so Georgia, much so much. Yeah. The footwork is just fabulous. And it's, it's like, he cuts these clean, clean corners. It's like origami, right? It's, it's, they're just the, the clean, it just snaps the corner as, as quick as you'll see. And then the, the deceleration into the route break and then the acceleration out of it, it's just so difficult. And it's like, you know, it's like sort of like the the game of hide the cup with it, with, you know, hide the ball in the cup with, with his footwork that you can always see the defenders. And it was cool seeing it up close here, but you saw this on his film too. But the defenders, they're trying to figure out like off the line, like what is this guy going to do? And they can never get a beat on it. Where is he going to stop on the field? Where is that route break going to begin? Even if they could guess right, which they never do, because he just keeps you off, off, off his scent, whatever. You can't stay with him out of that route break anyway. You can't throttle down as quick as him. You can't accelerate as quick as him. And you're probably not, turn, you know, cutting that clean corner like he does. So he just is always getting open. It was funny in the one-on-ones. Initially, the guys tried to go up and get on him and press him in the one-on-ones. But he was making people look bad on Tuesday. Bad, bad, bad. So then the defensive backs later on in the one-on-ones, you saw this the rest of the week. Yep. They were playing off Lad McConkey. They wanted no part of getting their ankles broke off the line and then being left in the dust in front of the entire NFL, all the other guys on the other side of the state, and the evaluators, the coaches, the GMs. They did not want to get embarrassed by this Lad McConkey guy. A big time winner. I don't think Lad gets into round one. There was some like stray sort of chatter about that. And it was very, very impressive week. I think he's going very, very quickly on Friday night, though. I, again, it's possible. Possible at the very end, but for me, I think it's going to be very early on in that round two with a team that's looking for the high-volume target guy. Lad McConkey is going to catch a metric ton of balls in the NFL. If you're in a PPR league, write that name down in pen. Carve it down. You're, you're going to want to come out of your draft with your rookie draft with Lad McConkey. Moving over to some other receivers that we did not were, were not as impressed by this week. Debro, starting off with you, a guy that we talked a lot about coming into this week. There was things about his game that he wasn't allowed to show uh, based on his college system that we wanted to see a little bit more this week. Uh, you obviously didn't think that you did see it this week. Tell us about Malachi mm-hmm. Corley and your thoughts there. I was not wowed by him. I, I really wasn't wowed by him in the process, like watching his film, looking at all of his metrics and stuff. He's a manufactured touch guy. Get the ball in his hands any way that you possibly can. Uh, Froton and I went back and forth on this, and I know we disagree on this, but I looked at him, especially the usage parallels. He was a poor man's Rondell Moore entering this situation and, and the way that I looked at his game. And I walk out of this feeling the same way, if not, if we were talking about, okay, well, maybe um, – I, I don't want to say dollar general, but maybe fan now he's family dollar. Like we're bumping him down the dollar tree now, baby. Like it's just, it was not a great week for Malachi Corley, a guy that how he wins and the way that he earns a role in volume in the NFL is as that type of explosive play guy. We saw him get jammed up on his routes, his one-on-ones, like he won some reps, but not consistently enough for you to feel good about it. And the other thing I want to throw out here is 
anything after the catch or even the suddenness in his routes to be that explosive guy in an NFL offense where you say, look, our onus right now is just to get the freaking ball in your hands and let you do you. There's nothing that I saw out of this week where an NFL offense should have that at the top of their list where regardless of wherever he lands, I didn't see the explosiveness. I didn't see the juice after the catch. And I didn't see his ability to win consistently in his one-on-one reps. Did he have moments? Sure. Were those flashes often enough or brilliant enough to where you're like, okay, all right, just totally changing all the priors, man. Not at all. Did family dollar come out of your out of your mouth there? Because that's where he went after practice every day to get our energy drinks. Or was that just? <laughs> it a, was. Yeah. Okay. okay. It, was, yeah, just, it was. Just letting everyone top, in top behind. Yeah. That, that's the process here. Uh, you know, um, for all time, moving over to you, uh, a loser, a, a, some, a guy that some people were very high on coming into this week. Maybe we were a bit more tepid, but maybe didn't see him, things from him that we wanted to see coming in. Tell us your thoughts about Tez Walker this week. Yeah, and I completely agree with, with what Debro saying. Uh, we saw Malachi Corley have a lot of buzz heading into this showcase. I feel like the same was absolutely the case, maybe even a little more so, frankly, with Devontae Walker after Dane Brugler mocked him in the back end of the first round, you know, this year. I mean, that is that's some high praise with a very talented wide receiver group. Didn't see first round Devontae Walker. Didn't see second round. Devontae Walker out there, um, too much inconsistency out of him. You know, it's he, he would make, and, you know, similar to what Corley, he'll go and he'll pop and he'll have a nice clean route and he'll he'll make a play. Um, you know, you saw him make a couple plays down the field, which is really his specialty. I had the opportunity to talk to him yesterday during the open media portion and, uh, and just go through it and sort of get a feel for him, talk about how he, against... Clemson attacked Nate Wiggins, who is almost a surefire, um, you know, first round cornerback and who is going to run in the four threes, pretty much locked in. He's one of the fastest guys in the country. Devontae Walker was able to stack him and beat him. Listening to how we do it, he was talking about, you know, um, uh, uh, Wiggins opened the gate. You know, if I see that, I'm going, I'm too fast. And he's very, uh, talked about what's your favorite route and he's very speed focused everything he kind of went back to him talking it's his speed well that's great he's got it and he can't get on top of guys what he needs to do is he needs to do a better job in running guys off and coming on back and getting 11 yards when you need 10 and a first down on third down you know and it's almost like i don't it's not you know a, a proper comp because obviously these two guys are completely different and they only Devontae Walker was only at North Carolina for a little bit, but it's the same sort of thing we saw with Deami Brown coming out of North Carolina, where you can he can run straight, he can make some nice catches down the field, but that full route tree, we didn't see what we needed to see out of it. And we also saw some tough hands. We saw some, you know, opportunities that did slip through his fingers that he didn't capitalize on through either um, you know, poor technique or just simply poor concentration. So uh, I do think that the mixed bag we got out of Devontae Walker is the not the one that I think a lot of people wanted to see when he was mocked in the first round by Dane Brugler a couple of weeks ago. 
Yeah, a couple of years ago, I, I spent this spring fighting with uh, draft Twitter folks about Diami Brown. I was on the other side of that one. I feel like uh, we'd be spending this spring fighting about Tez Walker. Yeah, um, You won't I, be alone on that one. I'm not in on Tez at all. We talked about this even before we got to Mobile. Mm-mm. Only we threw up two tackles run. all season. It's not like he's a yak guy. All he did was run down the field. Two broken tackles. In 10 games. Can we also mention, too, and we discussed this as a group off air, Tez looks skinny. He looks slight. And and this is, but you're talking about a guy that, like, he's going to win deep. Can he he match not only the speed, but physicality in his routes? I had questions about that entering the process. And now after seeing him in person, the questions just, I mean, the question mark just became bigger. That's it. Yeah. Speaking speaking of skinny, my loser Jacob Cowling, uh, who measured in uh, even smaller than we, than we thought he was going to measure in, so that that started it, and then a, a very poor week for Jacob Cowling, which got the whatever the op- opposite of an exclamation point would be today when he left the field injured. He, they had to g- go out and get him on a cart. Was briefly tended to uh, by a trainer. Was a noticeable limp was looking around we haven't seen any confirmation of what injury he had there's been some speculation out there um we don't know yet hoping it's a minor uh issue whether a sprain or or whatever uh but he did need that cart to to come in and and wheel him off whatever um but before that we'll toss the injury aside for for a second i think we've seen a lot of jacob calling this week but before that what we saw in the field wasn't what you wanted to see Jacob Cowing was a guy who dominated Conference USA, UTEP. You go back three years, the first the first three years of his college career, winning downfield, well, win, winning at all three levels, really. But you saw the ability to win downfield, even at the smaller size, create separation, of course, and then just torch people downfield. Last two years at Arizona, where he's working besides Tedaroa McMillan, another guy who's going to be a first-round pick next April, um, they, they changed his usage where he just became like the manufactured touch slot guy where he, he didn't get to show the full route tree different stuff like that. It was the very quick throws after the snap. Uh, D bro called me when he got into Cowings film and he's like, who's this guy that's throwing him the ball? This guy stinks. Uh, Jaden Delora, the, the, the quarterback uh, that, yeah. that, that Arizona summarily uh, bench was also accuracy averse, which didn't matter when he was throwing the ball up to McMillan downfield. Cause that, that guy's a friggin' pterodactyl. But, like, to, to Cowing, it was almost like it was like we need Cowing to just help out Delora as far as, like, with the efficiency mm-hmm. stuff, the free completion stuff like that. We don't want to stretch it any further downfield. And and you come into this week thinking, like, I've seen him in the past win downfield. I've seen him consistently throughout his career get the separation. Uh, last couple of years, even though he wasn't able to uh, do the downfield work just because of the way he was used, he the efficiency was still there. And, you know, he makes some people miss after the catch and whatnot. Um, I was hoping this week we were going to see the consistent separation. And then we were also going to see that ability to win downfield that we we just didn't get to see the last uh, couple of years. He was getting manhandled off the line mm-hmm. I, 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 against the, the, the corners that, that can really press you. And then smothered. The, smothered. And that wasn't even the most disappointing thing to me because, you know, you're going to be in the slot at the next level. They're going to shift them around, different stuff like that. Probably won't be as many opportunities for people to press him. What I wanted to see was every single rep when you get off the line, you're in space. You got to be dusting people if you're Jacob Collin. You weigh 165 pounds, dusting people. Nobody can be, be able to tank Dell last year, right? 
when, um, when he got off the line, which he almost always did because his footwork was so awesome. But when he, I, I think the only guy that got him off the line last year was Julius Brents at this event. But every yeah. time he was out in space, bye-bye. And, and you guys remember by um, the second day at the senior bowl last year, people were just holding him. It was like the McConkie thing where they were playing off him. But with Tank Dell, they were literally grabbing his jersey every time we'd see the, the fake refs were throwing their flags out there on the practice field, whatever. That's what you want to see from Jacob Cowing. We did not see that. Even cornerbacks who have some questions about their athletic profile heading in, a guy like Cam Hart was consistently in his back pocket. Jacob Cowing wasn't shaking people uh, get smothered off the line. And then you, the ball skills weren't great either. Obviously the catch radius is very small. Um, and then you, you get the injury the last day, which, which goes into the questions about his frame and durability. Anyway, big, big stock down for Jacob calling. He needs to hope that that injury is not serious. He goes to the NFL combine. If he can burn the 40, if, if he can have the, the agility drills really good, maybe try to uh, salvage some momentum. But this was this was not a good uh, past couple of days for Jacob Cowling. Uh, before we move on to uh, the tight ends, I uh, wanted to talk to you guys about game time. Uh, imagine being in Vegas with an extra $100 in your pocket. What would you do? Splurge on a fancy dinner, bet it all on red, or maybe catch an amazing show? Well, with game time, make that dream a reality. Game time is your go-to app for all sports, music, comedy, and theater tickets, and they're offering an incredible deal. $100 off a big game ticket with code Vegas 100. I was browsing game time earlier and was amazed by the variety of events available near me, basketball games, hockey games, concerts, theater, and so much more. The app is super user-friendly, offering last-minute deals, views from different seats, and a low price guarantee. I love the peace of mind I get knowing exactly what my view will be like, and the all-in prices mean no surprises at checkout. Game time is all about savings. You can snake last minute tickets even after an event has started. And with their exclusive deals, you're always able to find a bargain. Their game time guarantee means if you find a better price, they've got you covered with 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Right now, all game time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code Vegas100. Terms apply. Just download the game time app and use the code. V-E-G-A-S 100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the game, use code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Guys, the last uh, position group for us to, to get through today, the tight end group, uh, where maybe we didn't see quite as many awesome performances. The, the group wasn't quite as star-studded maybe as a couple of these other ones. Debro, there was a tight end that you wanted to talk about that you were hoping to see some stuff from this week that, that maybe disappointed you just a little bit, a Swiss Army knife of a tight end. Talk to us about what, what you saw this week or didn't see this week from Jaheim Bell. So before I get to Jaheim Bell, uh, staying in the consistent, like in the loser category here, uh, I want to bring up our poll question, which thank you to, to anybody that voted on this. Um, this is awesome. Is Bo Nix falling to the third round a hot take? I thought it was kind of a hot take. Apparently not. It's not hot enough. 60% of you said this was not hot enough take. Wow. Sounds about right. Got 26% and too hot was 13%. So thank you. Wow, Everybody pretty like much it. believes in me. Like it. So I mean, look, Bo Nix's performance this week spoke for itself, not loudly, 
And a guy that really didn't make a lot of noise, if we're going to get back to it here, Gene Bell. I had a conversation with Thor before we got to Mobile, and he was like, I'm not really high on Jaheim Bell. And I was like, I am. Guy's a tank. I thought after the catch, he did a lot of things, and his analytical profile was exquisite. So a guy that I really wanted to get my eyes on down here, and it was just continual knock after knock after knock for Jaheim Bell all week. He started out the week for a guy that, was maybe on the the size threshold borders for tight end in general comes in here and measures in at six one and you're like oh good lord okay well now he's a tweener and now to possibly project him as a tight end in the nfl what does he have to do okay well now he needs to show that he has special move ability he has special agility he's sudden he's explosive he can eat away and carve out that role in the NFL that we saw at Florida state because he can be special with the ball in his hands. And that never materialized in mobile. And I'm not telling you that he face planted, that he dropped all the balls and he never got open. He did, but it wasn't consistent enough. And I know I saw nothing, whether it was routes, whether it was suddenness in and out of his breaks, whether it was what he did after the catch or even in red zone drills to where I'm like, okay, this is where you hang your hat. This is what makes you that type of chess piece and the mismatch weapon. None of that materialized. I just saw a guy that was good, not great. And much like talking about Malachi Corley or Amani Bailey, these other guys that really could have helped themselves by showing this is my superpower and this is how I apply it in the NFL. None of that materialized for Jaheim Bell. So sad enough to say I was high on him entering the week and I am very low on him exiting Mobile. And then Froton on the other side of the coin, the one tight end, I think every single day that impressed us, the clear winner from this week in the tight end group was Theo Johnson, tight end for Penn State. And he was a guy who comes in a little bit under the radar. It's not even anything that Theo Johnson did himself. It was just the nature of the team that he played for. I mean, if you're going to be in the Big Ten, obviously you're going to be playing some 12 personnel. Penn State played a lot more of it than I think a lot of teams. Both him and Tyler Warren were both considered starters. So he was splitting, you know, he wasn't just fighting with a run-based offense that Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, their their star sophomore running backs were handling most of the load. He's also fighting with all the wide receivers and another tight end for work. So with him and Warren kind of splitting the reps, didn't have the kind of big resume that we saw from like a Ben Sinnott where he had over 600 yards receiving, you know, only 34 uh, catches for Theo Johnson, 341 yards. But, you know, what did he do well? Contested catches, you know, 67% contested catch rate. Excellent coming into this. Um, Also, 1.26 yards per route for a tight end. It's all about his opportunity. When he got the opportunities, he converted them. And that's what we saw over the past three days. Anytime you get him pretty much in those one-on-ones, in the sixes, lined up against a linebacker who's going to try to stay with him, his physicality, um, his ability to use that leverage once he gets on that inside and push off and sort of use that as a way to cut off of that push off. He's 6'5", 255. You know, like I didn't expect him to quite measure in like that. He's a full-size grown tight end already, and he was exerting his will. And his hands were great too. So it is one thing to be, you know, use physicality, but at the catch point, hands are strong, good technique, 
extending outside of his frame, pretty much everything you want to see from a tight end. And he's coming from a Penn State team that produced Pat Fryermuth, Brenton Strange. We didn't expect Brenton Strange to be a, a particularly mm-hmm. impactful tight end. He was end of the second round. Strange right second round pick, if you will. Dude, I mean, nobody saw that. Nice pun. Year. Nice pun and dad joke there, Thor. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Way to go. But um, with, uh, with that history, you know, the rich history of tight end, they've been you know, recruiting down the line. Andrew Rapelia will be mm-hmm. incredible next year. Uh, just this year, bringing in Luke Reynolds, a, a near five-star tight end, one of the best in the country. Um, when you're looking at a Big Ten tight end group that has produced NFL tight ends, Theo Johnson comes out pretty much ready to go. I don't know which, what more you want, but he is uh, certainly in line to be that t- tight end three drafted after Jatavian Sanders and Brock Bowers. Thor, before you close this bad boy out, because I know you're about to get eloquent, you're going to do all the things and stuff. I need to tell you that the apparently the audience agrees with you that uh, 85% of our audience says that Lad McConkey will go in the second round of the NFL draft. So Ooh. there you go, sir. We got a smart audience today. And apparently, all the good people tuned in, baby. I love it. You love we got, it. We got the smart audience today. Only the sickos today. Only the sickos. And we want to thank all those sickos and thank the, the live audience for joining us. Thank you for joining us for all of our coverage from Mobile. This has been the Fantasy Pros Senior Ball Recap Show with all of our risers and fallers. Debro and I will be back with you guys next week with our buddy Joe Pisapia. I, with another deep dive into this senior bowl, more thoughts, more players, guys that stock up, stock down type guys. Uh, and w- w- with a couple more benefits, a uh, few more days of hindsight to, to look back on. Mm-hmm. We'll be back with you next week for that. But until then, for my colleague, Derek Brown, for Eric Froton, I'm Thorne Eistrom. That's all we have for Mobile. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 